welcome to this week's episode of A Novel Evening. I'm Danny. You can find me over on Instagram as at Blotted Ink Books, and I am ridiculously excited uh, <laughs> for this week's guest. Um, I just, I'm a bit in shock, actually, that I'm getting to do this episode. It's incredibly cool. Uh, his face is probably most recognisable as the character of John Silver from the hit stars show Black Sails. Uh, if you follow me, if you follow Alex at Quills and Typewriters, if you follow Emsal at Let's Get Readical, you will have seen us at some point waxing lyrical about this show. We are very big fans. Uh, it has an awesome cast. Um, a really really good looking cast um it's an awesome plot and story it's basically the prequel to treasure island um which obviously i know is a huge favorite um it's a show that i could watch time and time again and the coolest part is that john silver himself is also an author of a very cool fantasy series it is of course Luke Arnold who has written the Fetch Phillips Tales uh, they are very very cool books if you haven't read them pick them up they're kind of a noir detective series with a little little sprinkle of magic in them they kind of give me a little bit of Dresden Files feel which I know uh, I probably mentioned before I'm a very big fan of um, but they're quite dark um, they're a really interesting look at society and you know industrialism and you know the loss of magic within a world and I am just pinching myself that I'm going to get to have a chat with Luke all about his books, uh, hopefully a little bit of Black Sales talk and of course chat with him all about his novel evening. So huge hello to Luke, hello. Hello, thank How you, you for uh, having me. Yeah. Oh, no, thank you for coming on, this is a bit ridiculous for me if I'm honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it a black sales viewer? Was that a uh yes, a yes. So I haven't been watching it all that I have to say. I watched it a couple of years ago um at the assistance of another book blogger who's very vocal about her love for the show. Um yeah, I think yeah. she's been responsible for a large number of your recent viewership because she's always oh. going on about it. Um, but I, I loved love the show. Um it's obviously and it's kind of book related because Treasure Island. Yeah, so. absolutely. That is, you know, I, I don't know. I'm in the middle of another one of those now, a kind of, you know, uh, literary adaptation. Yeah. So it seems to be, it's always nice when you get to do it. So yeah, it is book related to reference Black Sales, I think. It is. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, and I actually had a, a Black Sales themed birthday party last year. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, you can't. Pirates are perfect for drunken parties. No, absolutely. Aren't they? How, did, how, did, how did you were you dressed as anyone in particular? Or? I wasn't. Um, I wasn't. But I had a I had a wonderful themed birthday card made for me. Um, we kind of have our teams within the group. Uh, there's a, a team Flint and there's a team Silver. I'm really sorry, but I'm very much team Bane. Um, and my birthday right. card was Charles Charles Vane themed birthday card, and they made me a very Lovely. cool gift that was a pirate map that I had to go through all the map to find all the gifts, and it was oh, very wow. cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Nice, good friend. We go big. We go big at parties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. It's what the British <laughs> do really well. If there's a party, we do parties excellently. 
Yeah, definitely. I had a, well, you know, I lived in London for a couple of years. And so I got to experience that firsthand quite a bit. I think it's one of the reasons I came back to Australia was because it was like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I need a little break. And we party hard in Australia, but it definitely was uh, at another level. Um, and then, of course, you know, many of the British pirates that I got to work with on Black Sails. So, um, yes, yes, you do party well, party big, but that's pretty, that's that's some good committed friends. That's great. It is. And it I very is. much understand being team bang. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's a lot a lot of fun, and then of course when I found out that you were a writer, that's extremely exciting. And also you write fantasy, which is my is my genre. I know it's a kind of a niche kind of noir detective fantasy, kind of a fantasy with a spin that you're that you're writing. Yeah. Where did this idea fantasy. come Most from? Yeah, it's called um, magic. Look, yeah, I, look, it's funny. I think I kind of it, it, when I was younger. And a lot of the books for me really come out of the, you know, it's a mixture of all about growing up and nostalgia and the ideas we had of ourselves, you know, who, we, who we'd who we want to be when we grew up and the reality about what, you know, how that sometimes turns out. Um, so for me, though, I, I really, through my dad, found an affinity for those old Raymond Chandler Dashiell Hammett detective stories and film noir, like the films of Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall, uh, you know, and it started, I think, with him recording uh, The Big Sleep off the telly, you know, onto a VHS one night and then like the next day going like, hey, I think you might like this. Um, and of course, we absorbed, you know, those classic films were referenced in all, all the cartoons we grew up watching. So you kind of have an, you know, it's funny you watch Casablanca for the first time and you can almost quote the movie because every line of it has been used in everything else and so um as there was something about so when I dropped into that and then started reading the Raymond Chandler stories and probably one of those things where when you find something that you know you like and your dad's into it's always a, a really nice thing to share um but they were kind of you know would have been some of the first you know adult books that I read um and also some of my first introductions to than cinema, you know, some of the films based off them and stuff that, you know, outside of um, stuff that was directed at my age group. So I think that was always there. And, um, but then of course, you know, always absorbing a bunch of fantasy stuff, mostly when I was younger through video games and comics, I'd say more than through books. Like I had a few bad starts with fantasy, I think, uh, you know, where you, like I kind of see something fantasy-esque somehow end up with a fantasy book that was made was the kind of you know the ones that feel like the, the ones you make fun of or you know that's like where it's just you open and every second word is something made up uh it it hits you with jargon rather than you know walking you nicely down the path and so I think um it took me a while to probably get into reading fantasy because of a couple of those experiences of trying get in getting into something and kind of going like oh I don't really think this is you know this isn't really charming me um and so, so it took a while, but I was always, you know, as with everything in the arts, I always like being a little step away from reality. I think I find, um, you know, even as an actor, I'm drawn to roles that are, uh, you know, either in some other world or some, at least a bit of magic realism. I think, you know, we can often say a lot more with symbolism, allegory, metaphor than you can with, uh, you know, straight up kitchen sink dramas sometimes. Yeah. There's some, some stuff where that is, perfectly suitable but it's not what delights my mind often and gets me you know the sugar that helps the medicine go down and so as a creative uh, yeah when I'm creating my own stuff as well as as an audience uh, member and a reader 
I'm often drawn to things that have a little bit of that sparkly brilliance hiding some deeper themes underneath. So, but I, and so I guess it was the merging of them. I did, I probably in some even like short stories at high school for the first time when you're writing, I just liked yeah. merging those worlds together. And I'm not the first person to do it. Um, you know, there was a there was a point and click adventure game called Discworld Noir uh, <laughs> that came out on a PC and PlayStation, like, you know, early 2000s, late yeah. 90s. That was exactly that. And, you know, and that very much, while it had original characters, you know, the whole plot was an interweaving of all the great Chandler stories quite um obviously and shamelessly um and so while and that happens so much with noir where it is just that and so i while i like some of the ideas around it um and i think i was very charmed by it when i was younger where this book always came to me is when i kind of realized how the merging of those two worlds especially those two ideas of heroism two ideas you know and of masculinity and being a man, I think the fantasy, the you know, the fantasy hero and the noir hero are both kind of problematic, complicated ideas of, you know, I'd love to be like that when I can grow up. And so when I found a way of, you know, this character who kind of had the trappings of both and uh, could kind of have a much more modern, uh, in kind of a modern examination of those ideas. Um, when I just started writing with a bit more of that in mind, it, it, the first book really took off for me. I love that. You have probably heard this comparison before, but the character of Fetch reminded me a lot of Harry Dresden from the Dresden Files, because I think it's that idea, like say almost the anti-hero. I think there's always been yeah. in like noir films, you've got the kind of the brooding, you know, hero of the piece who gets all the girls and, you know, has his whiskey neat and is a little problematic. Um, yeah. And I like the idea of a, a hero who is not that black and white, who is not that good guy, bad guy, you know, vibes. <laughs> He's definitely got that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, Fetch is not, is I think hopefully the fun is going why that idea, um, I've said this in some other interviews, but I'll say it again. There was that thing about watching, um, you know, like Bogart, who like as this jaded drinking, you know, like drinking too much, doesn't give a shit, but that makes him very cool. That kind of guy thinking, you know, and as an anxious teenager who wants to please and, you know, kicks myself over every dumb little faux pas I've said, it was like, fuck, I can't wait. Oh, I should have asked this. You can swear. You can swear. Great. Thank you. Uh, as a Britain and Aussie talking, that's definitely going to make things go smooth, more smoothly. Um, yeah, and I was like, I can't wait to get to that point. And then you grow up and you're like, oh no, when people are broken like that, it's not good. It doesn't make you, it doesn't make you cool. It doesn't make you useful to people around you. Yeah. It doesn't make you happy. Uh, you never get to sit back and go like, yeah, I really am cool. Because if you think that, well, you're not that cool, <laughs> jaded guy. Uh, yeah. You're putting it on. And so very much, and you know, it was even some interesting back and forth with uh, what was funny with Jenny Hill, my editor at, at Orbit, when we started, that sometimes, you know, you'd write certain things and, you know, it's, and we, it still happens in all the books where Jenny will be like, oh, like, I don't know if that's very, you know, that's not very cool. It's like, oh, it's not meant to be. <laughs> or it's like, Fetch isn't really likable here. It's like, he's not. He's a piece of shit who needs to get over himself. And I think, and this is one of the moments where I want, you know, you need, to understand why he is the way he is yeah but I really don't you know I at no part did I want to feel like I was playing into that idea and um 
I've got to read more of Dresden, uh, but it was one thing that kind of stood out a little bit, even the, reading the first one uh, and like, you know, really well written. And I've had like things get more, you know, the way things develop is really great. It's very cool. But there was a, yeah. that, there's a bit of the coolness yeah. that I was reading. It's funny because I actually didn't read it till I'd already done the first manuscript oh, of the first that's book. That's interesting. And you know, when, when people relate you to stuff and you go, okay, better go read it now. Yeah. And then there are so many, mo you know, and there are moments in that, like the moment where it's like, oh, he gets to kiss the girl under the rain when he's saved or whatever the hell happens. And I'm like, yeah. oh, great. We're doing different things. Like similar tropes, similar, you know, we're using similar ideas, but there is never going to be a moment where Fetch grabs the girl in his arms and gets, or has someone fawning over him. He's, he's, he's so much more broken. Um, he's and really off-putting in that way, isn't he? As a, as a female reader, as I'm reading it, there's so many moments I'm like, oh God, like, oh boy, like you are just not very cool. Like, what are you doing? Like he says things. And I love the fact there's moments he'll say things to various characters and I'll cringe a little bit when he says it. Cause I think you have no idea how to talk to people. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, no, like Fetch is, he, yeah. As we were saying with, with Fetch there, I didn't know. Yeah, 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 with Fetch. No, I read his thing and I'm like, you do not know how to, how to no, play it cool. he doesn't. He doesn't know how to play it cool. He is, he's, you know, and that's the whole, th you know, he's self, is self-loathing is, you know, a, just a different kind of self-obsession, but also he's, he hasn't, all his interactions with other people have been very strange. And it's kind of, you don't want to spell them out in the book too much, you know, keep reminding everyone to let him off the hook. Cause it's not about letting him off the hook, but it's understanding that, you know, if he lost his parents at a young age and then he was, brought up in this walled city with adopted parents who, you know, were very nice to him, but he's, uh, you know, wasn't never quite felt at home. And then all the adventures that happen afterwards, suddenly being taken in by, suddenly you find yourself in a place with a lot of very charismatic, intelligent, worldly, beautiful people, but never quite feeling one of them. And it's that thing that it's like, if at any point he could just get over himself and trust that like, hey, these people kind of like you, just go along with it, stop. Yeah dwelling on your place in it how you feel inadequate what you don't bring this would all be happier but he's just kind of constantly stuck in his inadequacies in his um you know going over his mistakes in how he doesn't fit into things and so um which are the trap which i think would be the real life trappings of, of a lot of those characters are the real life trappings of a lot of people um and so I don't know, there was something in that of going, oh, I think this, those jaded guys who drink too much and are overly cynical because they were once romantic in a way and have never quite gotten over it, they probably wouldn't be as good to be around. And, and so there's hopefully a slow progression in the books as he starts still getting a bit, he, he's, he's working at it, <laughs> you know. He's and trying, I, and I he really, is trying, isn't he's, he? He's you trying. want to give him a bit of a slap? I just kind of want to give him a bit of a slap. Oh, yeah. yeah, come on, like... Yeah, and it is, yeah, and that's it. And I do think there is a, those, the three books kind of get into a place by the end of the third where I think he manages to learn enough of that little lesson. And it's small, it is not a big character, um, you know, a, a, like a huge character journey, but it, I, I, it was interesting with me with, with this, you know what, you know, as, as I, I do want to balance it out with some things that are maybe a bit more of a fun, faster moving fantasy thing that I've got in store. But with Fetch, it's like every time you felt like trying to give him too much, too far to move or have any eureka moment, it's like, no, it's, it's slower than that. It's, you know, as he kind of says in the third book, it's like you kind of, 
you grip a little bit forward and you loop around back where you started, but just a little further ahead and you take that as a win and you try again and try again. There's no like sword in the stone moment for Fetch. You know, he's not going to suddenly, you know, become the hero and have this huge epiphany and suddenly become, you know, the everyman. And I kind of love no. that. He's learning. Well, like because I, that does not happen in life. We've all had our moment. Like we all think we've got there right. We've either, you, you know, there's so many times we think we've had that. You can think you've had that moment or like, oh, I didn't screw up this relationship. Yeah, you know, like I did the other one. This is good. And they're like, oh no, like just <laughs> behind that potential mistake was another one or some other character floor I've got to work on. Or I really thought I was doing better with this part of my life, but now I found myself here again. And at least I'm a bit more aware of it now. So I'm not going to sink down as far into that same place. Yeah. But I am back here, which means I haven't learned something. And I think, um, and so a bit of the idea is like, being able to have that kind and it, it's funny because it, it I guess it means these books aren't for everyone because when you pick up a fantasy a lot of people expect a certain thing and these books very much don't get, go like no yes there are all these fantasy creatures here and you might want to expect this guy to have the sword in the stone moment yeah. but he's not ready for it and I quite enjoy the the tension of an audience and even a book and a world that wants that character to become that person but a guy who just isn't ready, a guy who's got to do a yeah. lot more. Yeah. He and and he's working. <laughs> yeah. No, that's it. I, yeah. I, yes. And ever, maybe, who knows, we'll see. Yeah. Oh, well, obviously you're on book three, which is an awesome achievement. Mm. It's super cool. Is this, is there more to come? Do you kind of have his journey mapped out in your head? Yes. Look, I've had his journey mapped out the whole thing, but it changes after every book. You, you know, because I, I think. Yeah. I, a lot of the plot stuff's there and so much of the plot stuff, you know, the, the ideas and some of the places it will go and the things that will pay off, they've been there, you know, since the beginning. Yeah. But then I do believe in making sure there's enough room for the characters to breathe, react in their own ways, bounce off each other in unexpected ways. And so I do make sure, like, I don't ever get finished one book and go, you, you know, you look at what's there. It's like, oh, now all this other stuff's at play and, you know, it's, mm. you know, certain things between certain things between characters and certain internal changes so there will be more um and uh because yeah i like these three as this little moment but there's a lot more that has to happen there's a lot of stuff in play things will ramp up in certain ways after here i think i think well i yeah i because i stuff's happening things are bubbling under the surface and even i it's i think even the last book I probably had greater plans plot-wise. And then you suddenly, you know, you start putting things together in, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I think there's enough here. Like the kind of yeah. this other central relationship and journey for Fetch. I went like, oh no, I think that's, let's go with that. That's an interesting thing to examine, you know. We're essentially, you know, going, I mean, he's really <laughs> dragging his feet in the first two books. And then the third <laughs> one, it's like, oh, he's now he's trying to do it. He's trying to do the yeah, thing. Yeah, he's doing and, something. He's really yeah, proactive yeah. in this book. And yeah. you get a little bit of that mission. You know, people expect in the fantasy yeah. that the hero is going to go on a mission. You kind of get your first glimpses of this yes. in this book, which I love. So I'm very intrigued to see where he goes and what's going to happen to him. Yeah, well, he's, uh, without saying too much, and yeah, spoiling the last one, it's like we end him in a, you know, potentially, you know, a chance, like it's it's been another sad ending for Fetch. But it's like, it's actually a place where you're like, oh, he could sit here for a bit, 
you know, it's like there's, you could give them a little bit of peace. So, um, but things are going to open up. Things will get a bit crazier. Some other characters. I think one of the big things is he, by the end of the third book, he is a little more, I think he's finally realized to be more open to other people. So what that means is we can actually bring some of these side characters more into the fore, um, which will be fun. So that's that's nice. just one of the things that makes But no kissing in the rain for Fetch. <laughs> he's not gonna no get to do that under some streetlights. No, I don't think, I don't <laughs> think. He's, he's, I mean, he's so, uh, I mean, what's the word? I don't undersex the word, but there's there's something like that. That it's like he has not had a lot of action in his life. Um, he's you know that's he's a romantic. He's one of those romantics that you know, and in in one of the worst possible ways where he you know it it, it kind of, and that happens to a lot of people who you know don't have feel like I have a lot of moments in their life where they feel safe or like they feel connected to someone or you know get that kind of affection and so he's latched onto that so he's you know he would not be a good you know you wouldn't wish him as anyone's boyfriend <laughs> like uh, quite you a know, character yeah point. to deal with that yeah. i feel like you're asking someone to take on a lot of emotional baggage yeah. <laughs> with fetch <laughs> completely completely so um so no but there's uh you know he's had his little moments across the series and they're you know and they're quite nice but um but uh no no kissing in the rain under the lamppost for him for uh yeah i don't know it's, it's not the thing I, I don't think any i don't think people are there rooting for it with him going i really hope you know more people i think are going i, I think this guy needs a slap more than they yeah. go no i hope you find a nice woman to settle down with yeah. I just like him to have a friend that he can talk to before we even think about like romance. <laughs> exactly. But that is, and he gets better at that with the, let's say the journey yeah. of that. I mean, the book two in my head, the idea was fetch searches for a friend. That's actually what the second book's about. And the, and so then the third one is a bit, he meets a kindred spirit. He kind of gets to meet someone who at this point wants what he wants. <laughs> and um, so you kind of let him, have that but as always because this is noir that's going to be as thwarted as everything else or is it who knows go read it <laughs> go, see, go check it out and you've been a little bit at other writing works so are you working on something else as well yeah i've got there's a few other things nothing i can really uh talk about yet really unfortunately like you know i've, I've taken a bit of time this year to go back and try and get a bunch of screenplays and pilots Ooh. and stuff ready so i've been you know that is uh i've been putting a lot of time into that i've got another writing project that hopefully i'll be able to announce soon that's been taking up some time but um and then look the the next fetch book is essentially outlined and ready to go i just and also then been studying another couple of acting jobs so it's like it's there it's ready to go i haven't jumped into it yet because um it is that thing where especially the first, the beginning of it, when you start jumping in, I want to make sure I've got at least like a good few months there and I haven't had that yet. Um, but I, so yeah, there will be more. Um, it's just working out where to put the attention next based on a number of factors. But, uh, but yeah, I do. So how does it differ when you're working on screenplays and obviously working on novels? Is the process very similar or is it very different? It, it's not very, it, it's... It's similar in a lot of ways. I think the biggest difference is um, 
it's almost like, you know, it happens with everything, like with acting, with writing the same thing. We have the moment where you, you know, you're kind of looking at the board and the plan and what you've got to do. And then you jump into the mode and you kind of sink into it. Um, it's like as acting as well. You've got to be able to step out and look at technically all the things you've got to do, but then lose yourself in the moment of acting. And I, I kind of find with writing's the same. It's like you sit back, you plan it out. But when you're running, when I'm running prose, I'm writing a novel, those stints in the, you know, underwater, if you come up for air and take a breath and go in are a lot longer. So you want those days where you can just get deeper and deeper into it. Screenplays, it's because it's more technical. A screenplay is a blueprint for other people to come and put this thing together. Yeah. And, you know, a scene is, it's, you know, it, a scene's everything. So you probably spend a lot more time in a screen, screenplay spending all day writing a scene and then going back or writing a couple of scenes or these things. Uh, because understanding here's how they fit into the whole here's how they fit into the whole story here's what has to happen for this character here's what's happened to the plot the technical elements and then you do want to have moments where you drop in and hopefully you've got the characters talking to each other in your head and you get to let them sing a bit but you can it's i find it easier to write the screenplay in like little bits maybe i've got a break on set or if i'm on a plane or you know i can jump in and do a little bit of that because i'm like oh i'm trying to solve this little story problem but that when writing the novel is like, I want to write it with day on days when I have nothing else to do. And I'm very lucky that because my main, you know, the job that pays the bills is acting that that goes with big, that's big chunks of time at work. And then there'll right. be some breaks. So I get to do, get to do a thing where I start right. You know, I can write day after day after day for at least, you know, and at least while I'm working on the first draft, I want to mostly do it yeah. in those kind of chunks. Yeah. That's very cool. I was going to ask, when do you get a social life? Because you seem crazy busy. <laughs> do you ever stop? It's funny. I, I, I am, but I think I've got pretty good at. Um, I, look, I, I'm like I'm disciplined enough, but I'm also I think I know because there's so much going on. I, it's I. It's funny for as much as I get done. People, some people, I think, would be surprised how how much free time I do have and how much time I spend not working. But I think it's because I've got really good at letting myself off the hook. And I think the trap you can get into is never, never having the moments of pure focus, but then never letting, your, letting yourself like not, you know, then when you are doing other things, you're beating yourself over the back for not working, doing one of the million things you should do. And so I've just had to trust that like, hey, I'll, I'll get it done. You know, and so to not overwork myself, it's tough when like when you're when you're acting in something you sign your life away to whatever it is you give them you know they often especially you know and it's like there's so many things that people will look at actors you know if you go like oh they put you in you know you're traveling they put you up in this hotel or apartment and oh a driver picks you up and it's like yeah that's just so they can control they they know where you are at all times and they can be in charge of everything um which is it is still very nice it's not um uh, saying that you know that those things aren't lovely. I mean, though most of us would also generally love to be at home with our loved ones and our own, you know, the kitchen with all the things that. Yeah, we you're still there. not at home, you are know? you? You're still yeah. not. 
know. Yeah, but it's it's not it's still lovely. St- you know, I've had uh, so many great times. Yeah, being able to go to new places and and looked after very well. But all those things happen because you are on the clock all the time. Even if you're not shooting, the call can come through, and you know, you can be there. You can be going like, oh, okay, I'm gonna have a you know, let's open another bottle of wine, and then a text come through going, uh, it's gonna rain tomorrow, so we're gonna pick you up at three thirty in the morning, and you're gonna do that monologue you didn't think you were doing for two weeks or whatever. So um, that is, but you have to then around that, let you let myself chill out. And so yeah. I, if I'm, there's a bit of that. And also with writing, I try and wake up early. I, and I, I think best in the morning, I get as much. And if I discipline myself in the morning and do a few hours, then I've got, to, when I start to fade a bit or I start to go like, oh, I'm not, okay. I'm not really getting that much done now. Or I oh, know I've thought about that email I've got to send and that's distracting me. Yeah. It's like, all right, done. Let it go. Like your you're thing. Not... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then when you come back, you'll be, I'll be excited about it. And like, okay, but when you come back, you'd better focus and shut that other stuff out and get the work done. But don't, you know, I, it's, I think I've got good at not being in that half and half zone where you're always yeah. kind you're of all or nothing. Work. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it means that sometimes I'll just go like, oh, I'm not writing today for whatever reason and I'm not on set. And so I'm just going to, you know go for a walk play some video games whatever it else it is and I just let myself do it which oh, I, yeah I love that I love that no guilt that's the best bit <laughs> no no there's no what's the point then it's like you know it's like I don't have to do all these things most people who write you know when you do have to write like you do have to write for money but it's like if it is if that is your job yeah. then that's pretty if it's the only job you got it's pretty good if it's the thing that you've added on to something else then <laughs> yeah. you don't have to do it like, truth is, to do it. <laughs> yeah all our tb our tbrs are like out you know they're high enough there's enough stuff out there um if it gets to the point where you it's, you're feeling more guilty about not writing than you have fun when writing uh then i don't know do something else just it doesn't exactly. matter <laughs> you know exactly before we move on to your novel evening i obviously have to ask because most people will recognize your face from black sales it's a good moustache, so people are gonna are gonna recognise it from that show. <laughs> yeah, the beard is gone, but the tash is back. Yeah, the tash is back. It's mighty, I have to say. It's it's looking good. <laughs> but I'm Thank you know you. I'm very curious how it feels because it's still it's still out there. It's still very popular. Does it mm. ever feel like something big to live up to, or do you kind of look back on it and think that was really cool? On to the next. Ah, oh, the big to live up to is interesting. No, I I. Oh, look, it, it was it was great. Like, it was the best experience. I'm really proud of it. I love that people are still finding it. Um, one thing I'm really proud of is that we knew it at the, like, we knew how good it was at the time. We knew how good we had it. We knew how special it was that we had all this support as far as, like, you know, we had these, by the end of the show, we had these five and a half ships and all these great, like, the sets were amazing, costumes were amazing. Yeah. We had you know, a really great relationship with the writers, all of whom are incredible and great directors that we, you know, we over each season, you kind of like, go like, who do we, who do we like? Who's coming back? And you built this family. And we knew, we knew we had it good. And also at the time, no one was watching it. So it felt like we were just, this was for us, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, and so it was, it was the, and we're just the best people that we're all still friends. And we all still talk when we can. And, you know, um, it's and so it was just like oh this is it and I I mean I knew it so much that as it finished it's why I started writing because I was 
pretty sure. I was like, oh, that might be the best acting job I ever have in my life. Probably will be. Partly because it was like, it was so fucking good, but it hadn't set the world on fire. And especially, it like, there's lots of, so many fans everywhere, but it's like in LA, it didn't register. Right. Yeah, and that's just a whole picture of like, who's, you know, puts the biggest publicity team behind. Is it hot at the, you know, during this award ceremony, whatever, whatever. So you just go like, oh, I'm pro- I'm probably not coming out also like because it was because it was so good there aren't that many shows in my mind that you get to go work on scripts like that with characters like yeah. that and the show wasn't you know in those weird circles of LA um sorry one second no you're fine something <laughs> something in my mouth um so yeah it's one of those weird shows in it like in LA where sorry, one of those shows in the weirdness of LA that doesn't hit. Everyone's like, oh, here it's really good. Or people watching going, I love it. And then a lot of directors, you know, and writers who are like, oh, amazing. But the tastemakers or between the agents, you know, yeah. producers, whatever. So anyway, you just go like, oh, cool. That was as good as it gets. I'm probably not walking out with phone calls of people saying, hey, here's the exact same thing or better. So it was like, all right, cool. Um, I can probably go write that book. I've wanted to, you know, suddenly all this other creative stuff came out because the actor in me was really satisfied. Um, and also I wasn't, I definitely, what I didn't want to do was go straight on, onto another like period action show. Yeah. <laughs> because they, they're tough. Like even Black Sails by the end, we were like, and they were, you know, when John was like, hey, we, you know, we think we're going to wrap it up in season four. And we were all like, yeah, it's like, this is as good as it gets. Best job ever. But we are all so sore and yeah. so tired. I'm, yes, please. Or one of us is going to, like, one of us isn't coming home. It's just like, I mean, Toby Stevens in particular was in absolute pieces by the end. But we all were. We were all injured. It looks we intense. All... Like, having seen, yeah. just haven't watched it and seen some of the behind the scenes, it looks so intense. Yeah. Matt. And... And you do, and that's on top of, you know, by we had three units working all the time by the end, which just means it's like you shoot, it's essentially like you're shooting three shows at once. They're all the same show, but there's a whole system of, you know, this director with this crew and these actors on this set all day, every day. And then what happens is, so just say it's like episode six and me and Toby would shoot 10 days on that episode and that would usually be like, hey, that's the end of the episode. And it's like, oh, no, that's the end of the episode with you. Now a, that crew's going to move over and shoot, you know, Rackham and Bonnie stuff for a few days and then this other stuff. Yeah. And we just go on to the next episode. And we, so there's no days off. It's not like when the other guys are shooting, we're at home. It's like, oh, no, we're on the other unit. So it just became relentless. Yeah. Um, anyway, what I didn't want to do was go into another show where you're in the mud and that saw and doing sword fights surrounded by stunties and not get, not without that cast and without that writing. I was like, that'd be miserable. <laughs> like, you know, you put up with all that stuff yeah. because the writing's so bloody good. And I love being in the trenches with, you know, Toby Stevens and Tom Hopper and everyone we got to do that with. So, um, yeah, it. I forget what the question is now. I'm giving you very long answers to everything. <laughs> but, um, but it but, sounds like you loved uh, it. That's the main thing. So yeah, you don't come great. away from it. And that was... And then have you got anything to live up to? It's like, I really generally have no concept of and very little interest in how other people see me, what they think about that. It's like, because you have no control. As, actors, as an actor, you have very little control over what jobs you do. You know, the old question about how did you pick this? How did you do that? Generally, it's like, oh, it, it fitted into my schedule. They asked me and it didn't seem like complete shit. 
Like, you know, <laughs> you're going, not the deepest response, is it? When you're like, I really mused over the script, but you know, like, it just not if you if you got if you're worth money. Like, if you get people to watch it because you're yeah. a star, then yeah, that makes sense. Most of us, it's like no. I mean, you still, you know, you get picky, and, and definitely, I had no, especially as I started writing. Like, I don't. It's like I don't need to do a lot of acting work, so I do get to be picky and choose. Like, I do get to. I'm not just doing anything now. I do stuff because it's like, you know, um, generally, most of the time it's because like, oh, I really want to work with these people. It's like, yes, I do want to do that rather than sit and write another thing of my own, which I do love doing. Um, sometimes, Very rarely, but sometimes it is like, oh, good, that's a good little bit of money in this break, which lets me then focus on this other stuff. Um, so sometimes there's that, but generally, um, especially with like, you know, some of the stuff I've got coming out now, it's because it's like, oh, that's great. And I'll love doing that. Um, but but as far as like living up to anything, it's like I I know I kind of just generally do what is gonna make my life fun, you know. And I love I like to work on good stuff. I like working with good people, so that is fun to me. Um, I more so than like because the idea and agents and you know people on the outside love to they think they you know can chart a course be- between a because you did this it got you here and that's and that. It's like generally not. Um, I do also think a lot of you know, the relationships we build on set and how we are on set actually has, like, I'm more interested because I've got control over that. So I'm really interested in going on to jobs, doing a good job with the people around me, having them think of me for stuff in the future, then thinking that, oh, if I go and do this, maybe that'll mean I'm trending or, like, I'll be the hot thing for that, because that little moment that'll get me this other job I want to do, which is a lot of the idea no, but that's how a lot of people talk about acting and actors' careers. And it's most of it's fucking nonsense. I mean, you know, put but- it this way, you you weren't lucky enough. I have two black sales tattoos of two characters. Uh, neither of them are silver. So you didn't you didn't manage to, to get hit that. Uh, okay, yeah. Um I have Anne and Max, which obviously the good two, call. Good two call. Like, yeah, no, man, I'd much so rather badass. have them. I'd much rather have them on my body than my fucking face that would be pretty know. weird for you to have your face yeah, on yeah. Your body. I, that's me but on anyone there is i have seen someone does have my face in his hand i saw a tad of which i thought was that's bold cool. but um yeah i know but it's not did. like podcast material oh, you sorry. did get the coolest line so you didn't get a tattoo on me i'm afraid no. but you have what has yeah. been voted the best line <sighs> out of the whole show my name's john silver i got a long fucking memory it's the one yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. that's yeah. the line so you've been awarded that. I mean, it doesn't mean a lot. For- <laughs> I'll, I'll, no, I'll take that. That's great. Well, again, I didn't, I didn't uh, write it, but I'm glad I didn't deliver it in a way that it. fucked you up. Delivered it well. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I think it's not good podcast material, and I, I don't know if it's rude to ask. Uh, are Max and Anne in places that can be shown, or is it, or, or are they in awkward areas? They're on my legs. I'll send you. I'll show, send you a picture on. All right, on Instagram. And, yeah, yeah, yeah right. I'll send a picture because I have to like stand on oh, a chair. Great. They're on my calves. No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can I'll look, look later. Very on. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm very pleased with them. They're wicked. So I will send send a. Uh, I'll send you a picture of them now. They're all Please done do. and healed and stuff because they didn't look so great for a little while. Um, but I do have other plans. I do have other plans. So we'll see. Maybe Silver will make the cut in some way, someday. We'll see. I I, I have seen a lot of uh, no no shame tattoos yes. around. Um, bits of the dragon speech and you know stuff from that. So yeah, there's yeah there's it is amazing. Little I, I do so love cool. that there's so it's many. It's so cool. My friend refers to the script as poetry. 
um she yeah. thinks it's like the best the best writing yeah. ever it's so so good but yeah it it is such a good it's show awesome. and it's nice to hear you enjoyed doing it um because i'd be really oh, sad <laughs> you'd be like oh it was shit <laughs> no what's well, the kind of thing when you're on that like you know we're all just like well if you're not having fun doing this what are you doing like go do something else like it's just and but but i do as well think um that as as amazing as john steinberg and you know the other writers all are uh and and how great some of the the you know the people were at the start like i think it's one of the triumphs of what happens when everyone fights like keeps the passion up and fights to make something as good as they can uh, I've been on I've been on shows where I come in as a guest star on like episode four and you know already actors actors are going like oh yeah it's just shit and fighting it and it won't go again or whatever and there you know and like there's so many weird elements that came together with Black Sails you know Michael Bay producing and stars coming off the back of Spartacus John you know John and Robert you know writing like hadn't written anything really at all connected with this a weird mix of like when I when they cast Toby Schmidt, I was like, "Oh, this is interesting," because <laughs> it was like no one out like in Australia, you know, Toby Schmidt is a fantastic theater actor yeah. and playwright, and but like, you know, in then you've got you know like other like L, you know English theater actors. Like Toby and, Stevens for us has always yeah, been like got, period, you know, period dramas. Yes. That's kind of what he was known for. And for him yeah. to be playing someone like grizzled and complex, yeah. quite a big deal. That's it. And so it was so interesting as it was coming in, I was like, this is interesting. So obviously I know something's going on, but you get there and all the focus is on the shit you're blowing up and, <laughs> you know, the, you and know, you blew a lot of shit up. And the brothel and yeah, blowing a lot, there's lots of boobs and blowing shit up. And, and things are moving fast and like everything there's you never feel like there's quite enough time and energy or focus on the right things or communication lines between the writers and directors and actors like the way you want them to be you, everyone's just trying to go what am I in what is this and there was this great escalation as it went on of people understanding what it could be and a lot of it happened from I don't you know from like Schmidt's you know, sitting around drinking beers with Clara and Zach and like a, you know, good old theatre actor as you do in the, you know, so much of the work's done in the pub, going like, you know, so what are you, what are you thinking about that moment in that scene coming up? And like, just going like, we spent so much time outside of work talking about the possibilities yeah. and having ideas. And so then chasing down the writers to go, maybe can we do this? And then you have the, you know, I'm sure what happens when actors start doing that and wanting to come in for rehearsal and rocking up on the two rehearsals, off book, ready to play with ideas that writers start going like, oh, we can give these guys stuff. Yeah. Like we can write really long poetic scenes because they're not learning it in the makeup chair the morning of you know they're treating this like a fourth season piece of theater yeah they're here for this film. as well they want to be yeah. here they want to do this that's it and all and then even you know and then you get directors that come up and also that's also us bonding to some of the directors um mark munden was the director we had he did episodes five and seven season one and he was the first one like i need everything over you know two pages must be rehearsed you know during pre-production and then it's like that's that you, you see what what happens there and then it's like well no we're rehearsing everything now so let's do that and that involves the kind sometimes that's you know at the end of a 16 hour day or in a lunch break on a long day because it's the only time you can get the actors and everyone together 
Uh, and the same way, and we'd have, you know, we'd have the cinematographer there and a writer there and director. And the fact everyone was willing to do that um, in essentially what becomes their own time or come in on weekends if we can't, because you're like, no, we know none of us want to be rocking up, not ready to give this what it deserves. Um, yeah. So I think that's why we're also all ready to die by the end of season four. Oh. But I do think we had it that shows. on all elements from the casting crew. It, it yeah, really yeah. shows. We're re-watching it at the moment, um, a little oh. gang of us, and it definitely shows. It's um, not to disparage, you know, any other shows. You can see the levels of commitment across the board. So yeah, it's excellent. But we yeah, should and move it, on. And it's something that a... I do. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. Carry on. <laughs> Oh, no, I was going to say, it's something that I, I, you try and promote on every show. Because I think you can, t that's it. it. Everyone wants to make good stuff. It doesn't always happen. But yeah, I think it's this is going to be a really weird podcast for people who rocked up to hear about books and we've just talked about Black Sails for We have, but this means hour. they need to go and watch well, it. That's basically yeah, where I'm coming at. Go and watch it. You won't regret it because yeah. it's fucking awesome. Uh, and we need to obviously talk about the reason you're here, which is your mm -hmm. novel evening. Um, I have not a clue what to expect for your novel evening. Um, I've gotten really bad at guessing, to be honest with you. So uh, I'm intrigued. Okay. So, um, where are yeah. we going no, to I, start I, I, with? We, where, where are we, are we going? going first of all? It was an interesting one because I was, I don't, because I do, I'm always quite happy. This is the thing, like, like wherever I am, I'm quite happy and I have to move around a lot. Um, but, uh, so I, I had lots of different ideas, but all of them felt a bit constricting. But then I, my mind jumped to um, the overstory, <laughs> Richard Powers. I don't know if you've read it. I've heard so, it. I've read it. Yeah. So it's, um, it is a, a dense, beautiful, strange, you know, so whenever it's like, it's a beautiful but flawed book. And it, it's not like it's perfect, but it is kind of amazing. And it makes you look at trees differently. You actually learn so much about trees in it. And there's this, there's a few chapters where these two characters are at the top of a giant redwood, you know, thousands of year old redwood that they're up there to protect to stop it from being cut down. Yeah. Uh, called, uh, I think Mimus is, is how you say it. Um, and so, and they just spend all this time living, like living up there and getting some food sent up, you know, and collecting rainwater from there. And this life at the top of this giant redwood. And because it's so massive as well, it, I could really see, it's like, oh yeah, you know, with the right help, you could, we could get a dining table up there and some good, yeah. and you have everyone's, or, or just everyone sitting around in these beautiful, um, like in the crevices of the tree, you know, in this kind of natural amphitheater created by these old branches, like okay. so far up in the air. So that's where we're hanging out. You're this the first person to go up a tree. Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love being up trees. And I and there was something really magical about reading all the chapters. I think they're really, I mean, they're, it's, a, it's a really great read. It's beautiful prose but the fact that you you know so many of the characters are scientists or activists and so but his way of personifying different trees and pointing mm -hmm. them out it's funny how you do it, it's really great for that feeling of when you start going like oh there's trees and then you're like oh no there is all these different yeah. like suddenly characterize it giving character to each different kind of tree um 
is amazing. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here so for yeah, because I was, I think I was first thinking the magic faraway tree as well, is where I first started, which is maybe how I got to Limus, which is really good. But then I, there's something about the, because I read it more recently, I thought like, um, so we're up in Mimus. And do you need but, some space? This sounds like you could get a big platform up there. You can have a table up there. This sounds, you know. Yeah, it's special. massive. It, there's like, they're the kind of trees we don't, we barely have anymore because we chopped them all down. Oh, and I'm they are these ancient, I, yeah. I love it. So that's it. And if all these special people are up there, then so we'll go find one of these old redwoods that <laughs> if it needs protecting and we'll, we'll jump up there. I mean, look, uh, I'm, I'm literally, I'm looking out my window and I, I live opposite a great big woods. I've got a real thing oh. for, uh, for trees and I'm not very good at getting up them. Um, but if I can get up them, yeah. I will. But I'm, I'm here for it. This sounds peaceful. Yeah, that's it. It, it, it. Peaceful. I mean, it depends on the weather, but we'll do it on a nice day, and it should be really peaceful and magical, and we'll have that kind of good earthy spiritual energy around. Okay, okay. Who's coming then? <laughs> Who's going to go up the tree? <laughs> so, okay, I've got it. Look, it's essentially what I want from this night is smart, funny, witty people who like a drink. And you're lot. really lucky that I get to be there by default then, because I think I fulfill I mean, this. Yeah. <laughs> done and i'm look in my books you can tell i'm more like fetch obviously there's a lot of me and fetch i often feel like I, i've been very lucky that being in this industry i get to be surrounded like by actual freaking geniuses like these very erudite like educated amazing beautiful people and i always feel like the idiot at the table but um but and i would more so with these people here okay. um but it's just but and just to witness all these people bantering with each other, I think would be um, quite fun. Okay. Um, so I feel like, look, I'm going to do the, I'm going to a little self-serving answer first. So my character from my books who exemplifies that is Aliyah Hendricks, yep. who's uh, uh, the kind of, he was Fetch's mentor. We see him in the flashbacks in book one. Um, and I mean, he is, he is that to me. I put so many of the beautiful, uh, you know, in like, yeah, he's, even though he's a, um, y you know, he's more of a, in, you know, in kind of government in the books, he really is just like a theatre actor, writer yes. um, in that world. So um, Hendrix will be there. I think then someone else uh, who fits that um, is Savine Dan Glockter from Joe Abercrombie's Age of Madness series. Um, I have not read these, but they are really high on my list. Oh yeah, brilliant. Like they, uh, I, I, now definitely read them. If you're into audiobooks, I think the audiobooks of these are just fantastic. Mm. Uh, Stephen Pacey uh, does, yeah, does the audiobook. He does, he personifies them all incredibly. He did all the First Law series, first of all, you know, and then okay. he's continued with all Joe Abercrombie's uh, books in this world. So Savine Dan Glockter, if you've read, the, I guess you haven't read the First Law series either, Joe Abercrombie's, the first one, that's fine. Um, <laughs> Glockter's an amazing character uh, in... Um, yeah, he's a tort, you know, he was a tortured soldier who had a bunch of his teeth pulled out and his body injured in massive ways, who is now a torturer himself. The what was he, the Inquisitor? I think, yeah. Um, so yeah, cut to many years later, his daughter we now have is the one of the most eligible women in the city. Uh, one who like and kind of a real kind of one of the first real entrepreneurs. So when we meet her, she is 
she is making it all happen. She's a businesswoman. She is, and just like oh, Abercrombie, he just writes incredibly witty, beautiful characters. And she is the height of, um, of though, the height of intelligence, wit, charm, uh, has a really, I mean, it's all, all, all the characters go through incredible journeys. Um, she's really fun. Uh, it was tempting to bring Ors, Prince also as well, who is the um, uh, kind of, you know, yeah, the prince, you know, the, you know, prince in line for the throne who's spending most of his days uh, whoring and drinking. So he, he'd be very at home with this group of people, but I'm bringing Savine. Um, then, uh, oh, so, so then I think in that, um, if we're going to have, and, and what you want is people with differing ideas who will really push each other's Mm -hmm. you know philosophizers really and who uh, in that way i think if we're getting this group of people together lord henry from the picture of dorian gray seems okay. like someone you absolutely you know the kind of person you want at this uh potentially debaucherous boozy uh night of good food good wine and great chat um i just did see uh in a the uh, the Sydney Theatre Company just did a one-woman performance of The Picture of Dorian Gray starring Erin oh, cool. Jean Wobble that is the greatest, maybe the greatest fucking thing I've ever seen on stage. It's just come to Melbourne now. Wow. Um, uses kind of uh, multimedia to fill in all the, uh, to do some magic stuff to yeah. kind of have her playing all the characters. It's really special. Wow. I imagine the performance, the version, surely it's going to tour the world. I don't know whether that'll be with EJ or someone else, but it was, it's a hell of a thing. Um, so yeah, Lord Henry, I'll be bringing in. Okay, cool, cool, I'm cool. I'm just running from one to the next. Do you want to, do you want to hit me with any questions or am I just giving you all my So guess? far I'm getting some, I'm getting some vibes. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is a party that will go from, you know, nice sedate chat and good wine, but will rapidly descend into a bit of anarchy by the end of the evening. Oh, there's definitely, I mean, the thing is we're going to eat a lot, I think. Yeah. Well, at least you want some food there at the beginning because I feel like then it's just going to be booze and drugs and who knows <laughs> you need what to else stop that process. stuff up. I think that's the key to a party. You start with the food, yeah. you've lined your stomach. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, on that, being at the top of the tree and getting things in and out, I thought, like, well, we need someone, we probably need someone with some kind of magical powers of some kind. Yes. And so then I thought January from the 10,000 Doors of January. Yes. Um, who has the ability to open doors to different places. Um, it's been a while since I read it, so I think we might be bending her powers a little bit for my whims here, but let's just say that, because then we want her, because she kind of goes into book worlds, but they end up kind of being real it, it's been a while. But we can she flex has the ability. it though, it can work. It's fine. That's what I thought. She has the ability. So, because we, we need someone who can go into the lands of all these creatures, these people, yeah, and enough. pull out their favorite, you know, like Hendrix will need to get the ingredients for uh, the burnt milk wood, his favorite cocktail. Um, I'm sure. I that, do like, want to try a burnt milk wood. wood. I want to see if I can make my own version because it sounds good. There on Instagram, some people have done some versions. I still don't know what we have in this world that could make it that way. You know, it's like it involves the sap of a tree that doesn't exist. Um, but I'm sure. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm I'm interested in seeing people experimenting with it. A couple of a couple of recipes are out there. Um, but yeah, so January, well, she 
there was an only the only thing about like January would be great. I did. It's funny how I did immediately feel a little bit bad because I think she's seventeen in the book, and then we're kind of like I feel bad just using her for her powers to like go like, hey January, can you get us this stuff? Yeah. So I feel bad about that because you're underage. So now you go. <laughs> yeah, and now you have to leave. So you, you know, and you do not want to be around for what happens when this group of people get fucking wasted. I, I so, agree with you. Um, I'm very excited for this. <laughs> Yeah, really it's going to be wild, but um, but yeah. So I do just know that I understand uh, the um that it's not really fair, but we'll make it worth a while in whatever in in, in yeah. whatever way. We'll, we'll thank her profusely for helping us out. Um, and then I thought uh, this party, Holly go lightly. Uh, breakfast to Tiffany's yeah. just seemed we'll be right at home. I was trying to go like I mean I, I wanted Lauren Bacall there like or Lauren you know like if you could choose an actor rather because all her characters are right. But, you know, any of her femme fatales from the books, you know, that she's played from, yeah. you know, from, you know, uh, in both The Big Sleep or To Have and Have Not, which is a Hemingway book originally. Um, but I felt then I was just like, no, I'm, I just, I'm just trying to get Lauren Bacall, who was a real person to the party of fictional characters. So um, instead, I just thought, let's go Holly, go lightly. She's different vibe, but, you know, similar classic. Yeah, cinema. yeah. Um, Time. I see what you're doing. There. Um, so yeah, that's it. Yeah, we need someone to represent that area. Then I just feel like um, he won't be participating as much in the drinking and the eating, um, but death from the disc world. Uh, just I I I like if you go like who do you if you've got all these kind of um, dark you know interesting intelligent people who are inquisitive and with a dark sense of humor i feel like who would they most all want to question and have sitting at the table and i think death would be a great uh, it's just a great point of conversation um yeah so i feel like it'd be and you know and he has his own dark sense of humor, sense of humor which would be yeah awesome i have everyone. my own questions for death if i'm honest with you so exactly. that's fine. yeah yeah, wouldn't you love to be just shit-faced and having <laughs> and, and get to question death when you're completely inebriated and uninhibited? Um, and then, look, they're really all the while. Uh, then I had, I thought, like, seems to be good for a party as well. We'd have, why don't we bring Long John Silver? Um, you know, oh, and not the, you know. Not your grizzled version. For some reason, I'm thinking about no. the Tim Curry Muppet Treasure Island version. He seems a lot oh, more fun. If I could bring that version. Oh, no, if I, I couldn't work out how quite to, like usually, if it's just who would you bring to any um, thing? What like Tim Curry would always be there, and um, but the Muppets. No, but like the Jim Henson is my number one. Jim Henson, my number one guy. I'd be like anyone living or dead. At your oh man! I but, have a thing. We're watching the episode at Black Sails at the moment where you're all stranded at sea, and my go-to is to send the Cabin Fever song from Muppet Treasure Island just yes. over the top of it because it fits beautifully, and I like to think that that's what that was inspired by. It, I mean, it was all inspired by it. Like, I, we, you know, I what we watched it many times through the course of it. Well, I did anyway. Um, Just you on your own. <laughs> inherently, I do think it is still the, I've said it many times, it's the best adaptation uh, of the book. Because the, the book is really good, but it, it kind of turns back on itself a little bit. You know, the fact they went, okay, we're adding in a love story, a sword fight. We're cutting out this whole bullshit at the fort that goes on for way too long. We're just tightening it up. It is, it's like outside of the, the singing and the dancing and the jokes and all that, <laughs> the actual way it's 
uh, turned that book into the boys' own, like into the adventure film you want it to be. Yeah. It's far superior to any other adaptations I've it, seen. It is. It's great. <laughs> but yes, big, gregarious, lovely, you know, because that's the whole thing about John Silver. He is this big, gregarious, super charming guy mm-hmm. um, who even when people are like, oh, you fucked this over, but I still kind of want to be your buddy, man. I still like you, uh, yeah. yeah. Why do I still like you? You're awful. That's yeah. it. It's, yeah. So we're bringing him to the party. And I think that, oh, and just, I mean, Maybe there's a little bit of danger because he seems to be troublesome when he's had a drink, but Inigo Montoya from The Princess Bride, um, let's just bring him to the table. Yeah, that's I my that's him. the party. This is <laughs> this would be chaos in a tree as well. There's such an element of <laughs> yeah. danger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, someone's fallen off. That's why death is there. That's why death is hanging. He's just biding <laughs> yeah. his time at the edge of the tree. Yeah. Is there anybody? Yeah, that thing where he's like, <laughs> yeah. What, what are you doing here? It's like, oh, you'll see. You know, you're like, uh-oh. One of the- Popping up people's like, drinks for them, you know? Yeah. Is there anyone that you really don't want to show up? Not, so I, I don't think I'd ever think of any person in particular, but I do think just in general, it's you know, anyone who thinks they know too much. And, you know, I, I like everyone, there's, there's no fact in the world that I still don't leave 5% chance that I've got it completely wrong. And I think most of these people are inquisitive people who, you know, are more interested in discovering things and good conversation than being right. Yeah. And so you just want, and this is, I, I think that's why you want these people here. They're always interesting to turn some, interested in turning something on its head in, um, finding out something they don't yet know, or what's most interesting always is finding out that the thing you thought you knew is completely rubbish. <laughs> and so anyone who doesn't want to go on that down that road isn't invited. Anyone, you know, which is, I mean, most people in the world seemingly, but yeah, that anyone who's like got their stuff set in stone, any like yeah. I'm this kind of person, person, or, you know, it's like, no, no, no. You just all want people who are ready to have all their beliefs and ideas challenged and absorbed, you know, and fight back, but uh, enjoy the the battle more than holding on to any of their preconceived notions of just about fucking anything. I like this. I'm quite happy to just be up the tree, getting drunk, watching this unfold. Yes. Um, <laughs> it sounds yeah, like it's absolutely. Yeah. We've not yeah, had we might need to get we yeah, safety wise, I think will be a good idea. But um, it's definitely, but it's, yeah, it's going to be madness. Um, I'm very scared of heights. So what I'd probably be doing is spending most of my time just hugging the the trunk of the tree for the majority yeah. of the evening. So that's what you're I thought you were going to say one of one of the people then. I was interested <laughs> to go, oh, who are you going to be hugging? Tim Curry. And then Montoya, probably. Or Tim, yes. <laughs> I'd yeah, hug him. Fair enough. I I love this. This has been um, (laughs) an absolute roller coaster of an evening. We've never been up a tree before. Um, And I like the sound of it. It's fun. I like the idea of, you know, going in there willing to to open your mind a little bit. Yeah. Well, just to throw a bunch of, yeah, a bunch of, a bunch of ideas around, you know, like who, how do you not want to hear these people talk philosophy or, you know, it's about whatever questions are going to come up. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, that's it. That's my, that's my, there's my novel. I love it. With my I love it. Man, riffraff. 
Yeah. It sounds a lot of fun. And before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening, I have to ask everybody, do you have a current read? Um, well, it was current until maybe an hour and a half ago when I just finished the audiobook of The Lies of Locke Lamora, um, which I'd been meaning to listen to, well, read for a long time. And then uh, I had a bit of traveling to do in the last week. So I went through that and really fucking enjoyed it. Just, um, yeah, so like, uh, yeah, so many brilliant characters. A thing that, you know, a character where you go like, okay, you know, you go like, well, maybe a little too smart for their own good. And it goes on for a while. You're like, are they just... So he's just going to get away with everything, is he? Oh, no. Uh, and I really, and by that time, you're so uh, on board with going, how the fuck are they going to get out of this? So, you know, a real, both like first half of the book being so funny and it's um, almost wish fulfillment and enjoying, in, introducing this new world and these characters. And then uh, a really tense second half and just really beautiful prose. Like, I don't know, I just, I, I, what, in so many of the descriptions in the book, I think just have a beautiful um, kind of assonance and uh, to them. Yeah, I, Clockwork Lockbox really annoyed me because I just loved it as a, a it just sounds so good. It feels so good in the tongue. I was like, why didn't I ever call something like Clockwork Lockbox? That's fucking why didn't great I to think say. Of that? <laughs> Exactly, that's it. It's, and there were, and that's one of many little descriptors in it of just beautiful, um, yeah, alliteration and assonance and poetry thrown in that I was, which is what I love doing and finding a way to make that stuff feel natural and yeah. uh, and kind of warm. The, the book really was just full of that. And so, um, yeah, so many moments of going, oh, fuck, can I steal that? Can I, can I, where can I put that? What else can I put that word with? It sounds as good as that. How do I plagiarize um, this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah well how do i be inspired by this without plagiarizing it yeah um but no really uh, i really enjoyed that so yeah oh, that's uh, it's been on my list for ages that's another one i've seen all over bookstagram um so you've motivated me now to go and do a, another buy and i will i will get that read because that sounds good it, uh, it's i'm really terrible like i don't we're doing so much i'm bad at um like i don't know i don't see i don't look at reviews for anything i mean i'm never on goodreads or I read very little reviews of other people. So I'm, it's when, when these things get asked, I never sure if I'm going like, oh, am I saying something that everyone hates? Or is, like, is this something, or is this so trite? Like, does everyone say this? Is this just really cringe and naff? Like, I don't know. I know that there's been a big following for Liza Lockmore. And um, so I, it felt like something, especially is, and there is that thing where you go, as I'm working out, which, you know, what, whether I do another fetch book next or I pivot to something else then it's good to take that moment to go like, okay, what are these things out there that everyone else is talking about? What are the other yeah. series at the moment? And so this was one that it was, it felt like, okay, people are kind of referencing, talking about this a bit, the gentleman bastards, I should get into it. And uh, I'm loving it so far. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been an absolute joy. And thank you for taking some time out to chat with me. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 